Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1 this morning, quickly in God's Word, I want to open up with a word of prayer. It's good to see everybody this morning and uh, pray this, less, this message will be an uh, encouragement to you. We started a series last week uh, entitled Christmas Lessons and uh, today I want to talk to you on the topic of lessons, believe it or not, from a teenager. All the parents are like, what? Uh, lessons from a teenager. I got your back this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your love. We uh, thank you for the gift of music. And God, just uh, thankful that, as your word tells us, when the fullness of time had come, God, you sent your son, born of a virgin. Heaven came down to rescue our souls. God, we thank you for that. God, we thank you for your word. I pray that today that we'll be encouraged, that we'll be challenged, and God, that we'll be changed, and we'll go away from this place uh, better equipped to give you the honor and the praise and the glory that you deserve. God, better, better, uh, be, better uh, equipped to, to love you, but to love one another. God, to uh, serve you and to serve one another. And God, as we were talking about even in our Bible study time, go out to, to better equipped to reproduce. God, to tell people about your love, that they might receive your love as well. God, I thank you for the opportunities that you put in our path this past week and all the work that's been accomplished. God, I pray that you'll just clear our minds, clear our hearts, that we might be able to listen just for a few moments of time. God, that you would do a work in our lives and we would realize that uh, it's only through your power that we could receive it. Father, I pray that you have your will in your way during this time, this message, and that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. God, I love you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we began our Christmas lessons kind of series and we talked about uh, some lessons from uh, Joseph. We, we said that not only was he uh, thoughtful, but he was a thoughtful man. He, he just wasn't a man of thought. He was actually a thoughtful man. Um, you know, instead of being hasty, Remember the angel says, hey, listen, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. When the angel tells Joseph that, instead of being hasty, right, he believes God, he trusts God, and he takes time uh, to do what is right. He was tough when he could have been weak. Can you imagine the folks that, uh, what they were saying to him when his fiancee, the, the woman that was espoused to him, and we talked about what that meant last week. When she turns up pregnant, can you imagine the, the whispers in the crowd, what people were saying to him? But he was tough in the face of it. He wasn't weak. He substituted a harsh response. He was tenderhearted towards Mary. And then we talked about the fact that instead of doubting the angel's message, he actually trusted God. And so it was an amazing thing we looked at last week because actually what we said at the end of it all was that Joseph actually pointed us back to the Christ of Christmas. And I believe that's the same thing with our teenager that we want to talk about this morning. And it's no secret, the teenager we want to talk about this morning, her name was Mary. And so what are some things, as I began last week, we talked and we started by listing some things that we knew about Joseph. So from Scripture, what do we know about Mary? So let me give you a list of some things we know about her. Her father's name was Haley. It's actually spelled H-E-L-I, uh, but it, it is pronounced 
Haley. That was her father. And if we compare the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, those Gospel accounts, uh, many would surmise that she had a sister named Salome. Okay? Uh, and so you could kind of deduce that this was her sister as well. Uh, she had a relative or a cousin, as the Bible says, and her name was Elizabeth, and we'll learn more about her in this text. And so her father's name's Haley. She has a sister, Salome, a cousin named Elizabeth, or, or a, a distant relative. Uh, we also know that she's not a wealthy girl, but she's a very spiritual girl. We know that she's a, a spiritual girl. She's young, um, you know, and some have actually even said that she might have even been preteen. She might have been uh, as young as 12 years of age. Um, but we know that she was a young girl. She was pure. The Bible tells us this. The Bible references the fact that she was a virgin. The angel comes to her uh, there in the sixth month and says in verse 27, comes to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name is Joseph. So we know she's a virgin. And so the idea there is that she's not been intimate with a man at this point. She has not done that. And so um, also one of the things that I would remind you is that Remember, if you have a question about Mary's virginity, compare Scripture with Scripture because a few verses later in verse number 34, remember, she's talking to the angel of the Lord and she actually asserts herself that, hey, how's this going to be since I have known not a man? So she even speaks of her virginity later. And so we see she's pure at this point of her life. She's espoused or pledged or engaged, if you please, to this man Joseph. And we talked about the fact that last week when we were studying Joseph's story, we talked about the fact that during this period of espousal or betrothal or engagement, that unfaithfulness was rewarded in a couple of different ways. The first way was by stoning. And so if she had been unfaithful, she would have faced stoning. But it was also uh, they could have a decree of divorce written and finished the marriage that way. But they were considered married at this point. In our text, we see that the angel tells Mary she's highly favored. I want you to take note of that phrase, highly favored. Because if we look in the Greek, to be highly favored actually means to grace, that is, to bestow with a special honor. In other words, Mary was the recipient of God's grace, not the source of it. Think about that for a minute. It's really important that we understand that. She's the recipient of God's grace, not the source of God's grace. That's why we worship Jesus and not Mary. So we have to be careful. We have to look at these things in context. We know that Mary was actually a human being. And you're like, wow, is that something that we really need to know? Yeah, she's a human being. God is, is, is working through this human being to be born as his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And so we see this. It's important to see that the angel Gabriel salutes her as a saint. He does not pray to her as a goddess or deity. These are all important facts in the story. And so what else do we know? So look at Luke chapter 1. What else do we know from text? We know that Gabriel, he's already been sent to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. So this is his second mission in the Christmas story, right? Surrounding the story of Jesus. We know that in verse 26 it says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God. And so our normal minds, if we don't keep it in context, we say, Oh, so he actually went to Mary in June, the sixth month. No, that's not what it's saying. It was the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. You have to read earlier in the chapter. 
So this is the sixth month of her relative or cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy. And so uh, then Gabriel, we see, says he sent in the sixth month, but we also see that he sent to a little obscure village. The Bible says he sent unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Nazareth, guys, it's really critical that we understand Nazareth. Nazareth was a despised city. It was a despised city. In fact, it was considered inferior by all the other cities of Israel. In fact, the, the nation of Israel considered Nazareth uh, uh, inferior. That's why they said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Right? It was like, uh, Jesus is coming out of Nazareth? So this was a despised city. It's an obscure village. And so uh, there was deep prejudice. You, th you, you think about uh, uh, tensions and prejudices and things today. There was deep prejudice in Nazareth during this time. Listen, the Romans hated the people of Nazareth. And here's the crazy thing. Not only the Romans hated the, the, Nazareth, uh, the people of Nazareth, the Jews hated the people of Nazareth. They hated their own. You remember the Bible says Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. Why? He was from the city of or town of Nazareth. This, he was considered a Nazarene. And so these are in little, little baby points that all point to a bigger picture in the story. And so this is what we know. But here's what I want us to take away today. What are some of the lessons we can learn from this young teenager? If you're a note taker, I want you to notice, first of all, that Mary was troubled. Can you imagine an angel comes to you today? You're a young lady, a teenager, and an angel of the Lord comes to you and says, Hey, guess what? You're highly favored. God has shown favor on you. You're actually going to conceive a child of the Holy Ghost, and he's going to be great. He's going to be called the Son of the Highest, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Can you imagine being uh, like, what? This is exactly what's going on with Mary. She's troubled. She's a troubled uh, young lady, and the word troubled there in your text actually means to be disturbed or agitated. In fact, look at verse 29. In verse 29, the Bible says, And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. you got to think about it. God never stops working. But at this point in history, he's been kind of quiet for about, oh, let's say, give or take 400 years. Right? And so all of a sudden, this teenage girl, right, the angel of the Lord appears to her and says, listen, this is what's going to go on. You're highly favored. Think about what's going on. And then she's troubled. But what I know in Scripture is notice, she doesn't say a word. She doesn't say a word. Look at the, look at the verse again. It says, and when she saw him, she was troubled in, at his saying and cast in her mind doesn't say she started saying anything to the angel. She cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. In verse 30, notice what the angel says. The angel says, fear not. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Interestingly enough, if you think about the Christmas story, and, and remember I said be careful not to turn off the switch because here's what we do. We come in and we see the lights and the tinsel and the trapping, and we say, well, I've heard this story 20 times. If I hear the story of Mary and Joseph one more time, I'm going to be sick. Oh my goodness, there's so much more stuff to learn from the Christmas story. Do you know that each time that the angel of the Lord is involved in the Christmas story, there's fear. There's fear in the Christmas story. This teenage girl, this young man, uh, you think about the shepherds. Listen, I put down in my notes, listen, there's fear everywhere. The unspoken fear of Joseph. 
The Bible didn't explicitly last week say Joseph was fearful, but notice what the Bible does say in Matthew 1, in verse 20. It says, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, what does he say? Fear not, fear not to take unto Mary thy wife. Why does he say fear not? Evidently, the angel of the Lord knew what Joseph was processing on the inside. And he says, fear not. It's okay to take Mary as thy wife. I think about his fear. I think about the unusual fear. See, Joseph's was unspoken. But I also think about the unusual fear of the shepherds who were guarding their flock by night in Luke chapter 2. Look at Luke chapter 2 in verse 9 and 10. The Bible says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were, what does it say? They were sore afraid. Can you imagine you're out in the middle of the field and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord descends on you, a light shines, and you're like, what is going on? Is that a UFO? What is happening here? They were sore afraid and the angel said unto them, notice, fear not. He says, you don't need to be afraid. He says, because I'm bringing you some good news. He says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to, and this is the greatest part of that, what the angel said, we shall be to what people? He didn't say, fear not because I bring you good news, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to the Jews. He said, no, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And that should be good news to every one of us today. But really, this lesson from a teenager, I see the undeniable fear of Mary, a teenage girl who has just been told that the favor of God is resting on her. She's just been told, listen, I, I, I mean, I can't even imagine what's going through her mind just at that initial greeting. She's like, what is going on? But I want to tell you this morning that as believers, we're going through a lot. Well, I look around, I see people going through a lot today. The loss of loved ones and everything. But as believers, I want to encourage you, we have nothing to fear. Yes, we're living in some trouble sometimes. Anybody noticed we're living in trouble sometimes, aside from me, right? I mean, we look around, we still battle against terror and evil forces all around the world. We still face nuclear ambitions from typically rogue nations. Our country continues, our country continues the downward spiral of fussing and feuding. And, and guess what? We fuss and feud with one another. The world's not fussing and feuding with us as much as we fuss and feud with one another. We're killing ourselves from within. We got violent crimes, natural disasters, famines, diseases. They seem to abound everywhere. And I haven't even begun to mention all the trials, testings, and personal crises that come my way and come your way. That's just a part of life, right? These things come. But I'm here to tell you, no matter what we're facing right now, no matter what we're going through, whether it's Christmas time, springtime, or summertime, it makes no difference. You may sit there this morning, you, you may be listening to the podcast, and you may be saying, man, I'm living in some troublesome times. I'm afraid right now. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You're right. That's why we need to trust Jesus. That's exactly why we trust the Lord. That's why we go back to the Christ of Christmas. Because I don't have a control button on tomorrow, let alone today. There's no need to be fearful. Listen, many times the circumstances of life are beyond our control, just as they were beyond Mary's control. She had no choice. The angel of the Lord didn't come 
to Mary and say, oh, Mary, guess what? God has this plan. He's thinking that if you agree, you'll be highly favored. And if you agree to it, Mary, God is going to do this thing through you and this, this holy child which is born of thee. That all this. He, doesn't, he doesn't come to her and say, hey, are you willing to sign up for this detail? No. He comes to her and says, guess what? You're already highly favored with God. He tells her what's going to happen. Folks, God took care of Mary and he'll take care of you and me. He'll take care of us. Right after sharing, I think about Jesus, you know, in the, the, when he's having uh, the Passover meal with his disciples, right after they finish eating. He knew that his disciples were, were probably sensing something different. You know, he gets up and he girds his uh, waist with the towel and he's washing his disciples' feet and and one another, and he's showing them, giving them an example of how to serve. But he says to his disciple these words. He says, let not your heart, what does he say? Be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe in me also. He says, there's no reason to fear. I'm going to take care of you. Remember, he goes on in that passage in John chapter 14. What an, what an amazing chapter of love from God to you and to me. He goes on in that chapter, and he says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the comforter with you. I'm not, listen, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I love you too much. And that's the same thing the angel of the Lord was saying to Mary. You see, God wants us to put our belief, he wants us to put our confidence and our trust in him, just like he was saying to the disciples of old. 2 Timothy 1.7 echoes this thought. In Scripture, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, the, the, the problem with many of us many times is we go away from God's house, we, we go away from reading God's Word, and what we do is we, we extrapolate what we like out of a verse, isn't it? Sometimes we do this. And so what we do is we take it, we say, well, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Well, I don't like that, so today I'm going to be fearful. Or maybe today I'll believe that part, but then uh, I'm not real sure God's given me a spirit of power. I'm not sure that the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to intervene in my situation. So maybe today I forget the fact that God has given us power. Or maybe, here's the danger that I see most of the time, is that we go around and, and God has not given us a spirit of fear, praise the Lord. God has not given us a spirit of power. Uh, he, he's, he's given us that power, but we forget to be loving we forget to share love. We're like, I'm powerful. I have no fear. I can do whatever I want, when I want, how I want, and you're just going to have to like it or lump it. Well, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of love, right? He's given us a, a, a spirit that is endued with a sound mind, that we may go out and love other people. If you go back to our text in verse number 30, right after the angel tells Mary, you know, don't be afraid. Notice, notice what the Bible says. The angel says to her, fear not, Mary, thou hast found favor with God. In verse 31, in verse 31, the Bible says, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Israel forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Listen, his revelation and his instructions to this young teenage girl causes her to respond. 
It would cause me to respond. It would cause you to respond. Now think about it. In the instance right here, the angel doesn't say anything about how this is going to take place. And so Mary responds by asking a question. That's the second thing I want you to see. She's troubled, but her troublesome fear moves to a position of asking how. She asks a question. So fear moves to question, right? And so here's what I want you to see that maybe you've never seen. Guys, can we put that text back up? The angel doesn't tell her how she's going to conceive. She's engaged to a guy. Like, oh, oh, the angel says I'm going to conceive a child. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and take these matters into my own hand. What? That's not what God says to do. God says you're going to conceive. And, and, and go, go back to uh, the verses before, right? He shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest. But nowhere in this passage... Does the angel say anything about the Holy Ghost coming upon her? So here's what I want you to see. Mary doesn't question God's plan. That's a lesson for us right there. She doesn't question God's plan. She just simply says, humanly speaking, how? How is this going to be, right? How is this going to be in verse 34, seeing I know not a man? She's puzzled. Human reason says this can't happen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked God how? God says, hey, I want to do this in your life. And you're like, I don't know how that's going to work. God, how, how do you think that's going to work? Right, Chris? How, how, God, how are you going to help me with my health right now? Shona, how is God going to help me with my health right now? Right? And others in here, think about Donna and her husband. Bless their hearts. How is God going to do it? Oh, listen, listen. God is all-powerful. That's how he's going to do it. He's able to do it. Listen, sometimes we get so busy giving God all the human reasons as to why this or that cannot be so or they'll never happen. We fail to actually understand that God is not bound by human capability. Like we, we, think, we think we can do some big things and God has given us great ability to do some things. But with God, all things are possible, right? And so he operates in the supernatural, so Mary doesn't question the message. She's just logically asking how. Notice Gabriel quickly gives her the answer in verse 35. Notice what the Bible says. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Hold on to that word just for a second. It says, The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which is, shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. In other words, Gabriel is telling Mary, he says, Hey, the only way and the only one who can do something like this is God. The only one who can do this, the only one who can accomplish anything like this is God. Right? You may be sitting here this morning and see as I cast my mind and my eyes around with my new glasses, I can see so good. I can even tell, listen, it's amazing, these glasses. I can actually sit across the room from my wife, and she, she's seen it happen recently. And if she's on that little, that little thing called the phone that's like a personal computer, and I can see her doing this. You know what's going on when you're doing this. That's so you don't get carpal tunnel thumb, right? We've gone to carpal tunnel index finger. I can actually see this. I say, if she's watching like a little cute little video or something, I say, 
oh, what video are you watching? She looks over at me. I was like, I can see it all the way in the, in the mirror of your glasses. <laughs> right? Oh, man, I've got x-ray vision now. X-ray vision. But I don't have supernatural ability. I'm not all powerful. See, Gabriel says that the power of the highest to Mary. He says the power of the highest is going to overshadow you. See, when God's Spirit speaks, whatever God's Spirit says, that's exactly what will be done. When God says it, I know this is got, like going to bring up ruffle feathers from yesteryear. Like old-timey pastors. Like, I didn't know you were an old-timey pastor. I'm not. When God says it, that settles it. He said, he said, Mary, here's what's, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. Now, I don't even know what that is. Listen, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And the power of the highest is going to overshadow you. Now, I told you to hold on to the word overshadow because in the Greek, the word overshadowed is episkiazo. It actually means this. It means to cast a shade upon or to envelop. Are you ready for this? To envelop in a haze of brilliancy. The angel of the Lord tells this teenager that the power of the highest is going to cast a shadow on her or to, or to basically envelop her in a haze of brilliancy. And that's how she's going to conceive a child. Now, this teenager girl probably understands that's not how things work biologically. She's like, huh? Uh, that answer really didn't suffice my questions. But guess what? Guess what? To further illustrate the troublesome situation that this teenager finds herself in, the Holy Spirit says, hey, if that's not enough proof for you, you know, the envelopment of the, the power of the highest, this, this haze of brilliancy, if that doesn't do it for you, Mary, I got some other uh, proof for you. You know your relative, your distant relative, your cousin Elizabeth, who has been barren all her life, and she is an old woman? Guess what? She's six months pregnant. Mary hadn't seen that. Mary had no knowledge of that. And so see, the Holy Spirit goes another step and says, listen, the improbable pregnancy of your much older relative, the one who was called barren, serves as more proof. Look at verse 36. He says, and behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then verse number 37, for with God, there it is, the Christ of Christmas reminds us, for with God, nothing. I love that word nothing because it means exactly what it says. Nothing. Nothing shall be impossible. Oh, listen, when human possibilities fail, anybody ever had a human possibility go wrong or fail? When human possibilities fail, listen, the word and promises of God prevail. Human possibilities fail, the promises and the word of God prevail. Listen, you and I may be prone to ask God, and I do a lot of this. I do a lot of this. I'm like, how? God, you, you want me to do what? Uh, God, you know I've been in the military and I haven't been in school for ages. You want me to go to what? You want me to go to Bible college? Uh, God, you know that thing called math? Do you, do you know that funny little subject that I struggled with and I still struggle with right at 52 years of age? It's called English. 
God, you really want me to go to college? Yeah, I want you to go to college. For what purpose? To learn more about my word. To learn more about me. To fall more in love with me. To fall more in love with my word. So that you can equip yourself to go out and fall more in love with other people. See, with God, the Bible tells us a great principle for our lives. That nothing shall be impossible. Listen, we're prone to ask God how. But his word reassures us time and time again that he is able. He's able to deliver us from the power of sin and the fiery furnaces of life. He's able to guard us and, and with whatever uh, we have as long as we entrust it to his care. And by faith, he's able to save us completely. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 7. He's able to change us by his word. He's able to keep his promises. Because he's not a man that should lie, nor the son of man should he repent. When God says it, he settles it. Oh, listen, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. Oh, he's able. Say that this morning. Say, God's able. You got a problem this morning? You struggling with your health? God is still able. Listen, I was talking about the... The, we went to see the show Jesus with the group this past week. Uh, was it this week or last week? I'm getting old. I can't even remember when I went. And one of the scenes in there was the story of the maniac of Gadara. God changes this man's life. Jesus gets out and he changes the maniac's life. And the maniac goes to Jesus in Mark chapter 5. You can read it for yourself beginning in verse 17, 18, and 19. He goes to Jesus. He's changed. And he says, you let me go with you. I want to go with you. Get me away from these demonic people. I want to get off of this place. I want to get out of here. And Jesus says, no. He says, no, you're not going with me. You need to stay right here because you're a life that has been changed. And your life has been changed. And because it's been changed, you need to go out and tell others about my love. Go out and tell others about the great power, the great things that God has done for you. Guys, the same thing's true with us. Mary might have asked the question, but the angel said, listen, God's able to do all things and this is going to happen. Oh, we could go on and on all about the things that God's able to do. But the greatest lesson we see in this, in this whole entire message, and I close the message, look at verse number 38. In verse 38, and Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Do you see it? Do you see it? Look again in verse number 38. Look, Mary surrenders to God's plan. She, she begins by being troubled. She's troubled. She's, she's agitated. Then her agitation moves to a position where she questions God. She says, God, she's not questioning the message. She's just saying, how, God? But then in the end, we see that Mary surrenders to God's plan. In verse 38, the first thing she does, though, before she surrenders, look at what it says. She says, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. The Greek word for that, that, that the English word, rather, for the Greek word, handmaid there, is doule. It's actually the Greek word doule, and it literally means this, female slave. Mary was, and, and if you look in scripture, that's the lowest form of a servant listed, doule. She says to the angel, here's her response, doule, doule. Behold the doule of the Lord, the lowest servant on the chain. This is what I think of myself. This is my attitude. This is my humility. And she says, the handmaid of the Lord. 
And then she says, do. Listen, be it unto me according to thy word. Listen, this teenager's attitude of humility and reverence for God is apparent, and it leads her to declare her total submission to God. What about me? What about us? She says, be it unto me according to thy word. It's incredible that Mary here proclaims her willingness to serve God at any cost. She actually believes the impossible. Remember? It's like, how's this going to happen? The angel says, remember? He says, that, that haze... That haze of brilliancy is going to envelop you? That's, that's his answer. This is how it's going to happen. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you, and this haze is going to come over you, and you're going to conceive a child. Well, that's not how it works. But Mary believes the impossible. And because she believes the impossible, she responds in faith. Let me ask a question this morning as we wrap this thing up, put a little tiny bow on it. Do you believe the impossible? Do you believe the impossible? Do you believe that God is able to do exceedingly, exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think? Is your family in turmoil? Is your job in turmoil? Do you have, do you have uh, uh, neighbors who are angry with you because you cut part of their grass? Or do, I mean, something silly, but right? I mean, this happens. Do you have co-workers that you have this with going on all the time? You're at war with one another? Do you have brothers and sisters in God's house that you're at war with one another? Listen, the Bible here says that Mary believed the impossible and she responded in faith. In fact, someone said this, faith is trusting God even when the facts argue against it. Do you like that? Faith is trusting God he, that's good, isn't it, Randy? That's good, Donna. Isn't it good? That's good, right? Chris, that's good. Shirley, that's good. I'm thinking about you right now. I know, I know you don't like to share everything that's going on, but listen, faith is trusting God, even when the facts argue against it. Mary was a very real example of a teenager who had a very real doubt. She not only had very real doubts, she had very real questions. Folks, in the end, oh, praise God, Mary was a teenager who had a very real faith. And verse 38 is without a doubt one of the greatest statements of faith in all of Scripture when she says, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, the lowest servant, the lowest form of a servant of the Lord. And then she says, Be it unto me. <laughs> she says, God, whatever you want for my life, whatever your plan is for my life, be it unto me. She was troubled, she was questioned, but she surrenders to God. She surrenders to the impossible, and she says yes to God's plan. Even, think about this, even when saying yes for Mary would have, would have resulted in the disbelief of her fiancé, her family, and friends, and everybody that she knew in the town of that little obscure village of Nazareth, right? It would have resulted in that, would have resulted in gossip, would have resulted in misunderstanding and public shaming, would have resulted in the whispers about her unfaithfulness to her betrothed husband. By the way, do you know those whispers still go on today? More than 2,000 years ago, people claim that Mary was not a virgin. People, all kind of, all kind of religious thought, religious uh, thinking is out there that they claim there's some schools of thought that believe uh, God had inappropriate relations with Mary to create his child. Listen, there's all kind of dangerous thinking out there oh but Mary was willing to surrender to God Wednesday night I was uh, 
I was uh, teaching Wednesday night on a passage from, uh, well, just beyond this in Luke chapter 1 on Simeon. And if you read that story just beyond where we've read, the, the Lord tells Simeon that he will not see physical death until he sees the Lord's salvation face to face. And I said Wednesday night that I could imagine Simeon basically asking the question, why me? Think about it. Why me, God? Why would you allow me to live? See, because Old Testament saints looked forward to the Messiah. But God tells Simeon, says, says why, why me? Why would you allow me to live to see your salvation? Well, why, am I any, why am I so blessed, right? Can you imagine Mary saying the same thing? Why me? Why me, Lord? Why, why am I so blessed that you would choose me to be the earthly mother of your son? Why would you choose me? Why would, you, why would you bless me in that way? And see, here's the thing. When I think about it, I believe that God chose Mary for one and one reason only. One reason and one reason only. I believe God knew he could trust Mary. This year at Christmas, you may be asking yourselves many questions. But I want to ask you to consider this question as we leave today. Why me, God? Why would you bless me to be able to not only hear your word, but to have your word? God, why would you allow your spirit, your Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that enveloped Mary with the brilliancy, that haze of brilliancy, why, God, why would you bless me in that way to have your word become real to me? God, why would you, why would you bless me in that way? You see, because when I look at the Christmas story, I believe there's some things God wants us to understand. There's no reason to be troubled. There's no reason for us to be troubled today. I believe he wants us to realize from this story that when his power overshadows us, you and I and everybody who knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior, God will enable us to do things that we are unable to do on our own. Because he operates outside of the normal. He operates outside of what humanly is possible. He operates in the supernatural. He wants us to realize, don't be troubled. But I think the really big thing that he wants us to realize is, listen, he says, I need you. Battlefield Baptist Church, if you're visiting today, God is saying to us, I need you to believe the impossible. Because when you think about it, me sending my son through a virgin doesn't seem real possible. But I need you to believe the impossible. But I also need you not only just to believe it, I need you to respond in faith. I need you to respond in faith because here's something that I've learned in my life. With Jesus, we are highly favored. Oh, that make me do a holy dance real quick. I wouldn't want to scare y'all. I'm not a great dancer. With Jesus, we're highly favored. And with Jesus, we have the Lord's presence residing in us. And with Jesus, there's really good news. We're blessed. Among everyone else in this world, we're blessed. You can't walk out of this place. You can't get in your car. You can't rip ride down the road and not remember that you're highly favored. 
that you have Jesus Christ living inside of you, his spirit indwelling you, enabling you, giving you power, guarding you, giving you instruction and wisdom. You can't do that, and you can't understand those things without recognizing how blessed you are. Oh, what an amazing story from a teenager who teaches us lessons. Yeah, teenagers, it's okay to question. It's okay to be troubled and agitated from time to time. Guess what? Old people get agitated. You're not alone. It's like mom and dad say, I wish my teenager wouldn't be so angry. Guess what? They probably learned it from mom and dad. Uh-oh. It's okay to be troubled. It's okay to get agitated. It's okay to ask the question, how? Right? Just like this teenager that we learned a lesson from. In the end, it doesn't matter whether you're 17 or 77. God says, believe the impossible and respond in faith. That's the message of Christmas. Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, man, don't walk out these doors without Jesus. There's not, hey, listen, you ain't going into Walmart. The guy who's handing out the stickers at Walmart or the wonderful lady that's handing out stickers, they ain't going to tell you about Jesus. This is probably, for many of us, unless you're listening to Christian radio or you're into the, uh, God's Word, this is probably the only time you will hear God's Word taught or preached this week. And God says, respond in faith. And I think it's been a long time. I'm just going to be real transparent. I think it's been a long time since many have responded in faith. Oh, the Christ of Christmas brings us back to that point of decision once again. I pray you'll do business with the Lord while he's near. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.